Hey guys, before this episode begins, I just want to let you all know that I've partnered with DAT Bootcamp to offer a 10% discount code on all Bootcamp products. While studying for my DAT, I found DAT Bootcamp to be the best resource during my preparation. Their extensive review videos and practice exams are second to none. Use code DOD10 at checkout for a 10% discount, applicable to all programs Bootcamp has to offer. Again, that's DOD10 at checkout. everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Dose to Dental Podcast with your host, myself, Siraj Shah. The focus of this podcast is to share undergraduate and dental school experiences from dental students and dental professionals through valuable discussions. Through sharing the journeys and stories of current dental students and dental professionals, our goal is to help you find answers or guidance for your own pre-dental journeys. We're super excited to have Stony Brook Dental School alum and current NYU Bellevue Hospital OMFS resident, Brandon Gallagher, joining us today. Brandon graduated from the Stevens Institute of Technology with a bachelor's degree in chemical biology. He then completed dental school at Sony Brook and is now an OMFS resident at NYU. During his undergraduate years, Brandon played D3 basketball, conducted research, and was a tutor for organic chemistry, along with being part of many clubs and even started a few businesses during dental school. Brandon, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for making the time to join us today. And uh, how have you been? Been great, man. Thanks for having me. No, yeah. first, really, I appreciate you reaching out and, and helping me schedule this. Dude, I, I really appreciate this. I hope we can kind of collab, like some chop-ups, some, uh, some posts between... Students of Dentistry, Lead Dentists, my page, your page. I mean, oh, this yeah. is huge. I'm a huge supporter of what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, we need more of this out there. I mean, we, we really do. You know, no one's so. doing yeah. this, you are. I think so, too, because, I mean, even, like, during, you know, when I decided to go for dental, I was originally med, but I, I went decided to go dental. Um, there was no, like, resources out there for me. I feel like there was, like, Instagram pages, but there was no, like, direct, you know, like, contacts with dental students and, you know, professionals like yourself uh, to, to really understand what dentistry is like and what the pre-dental process could be for, like, many different people so i think that's kind of one of the motivations of starting this thing up um yeah yeah so so, so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself like you know where you're from uh we like to do fun stuff like that yeah man well first off first off had to rep since we're coming back to the stony coming back nice. in house nice there we go yes. <laughs> nice. Oh, yeah i got a couple got a couple things i always always gotta you know rep stony broke around first i don't know where your roots um I mean, as far as me, just uh, actually, I was I was kind of pre-med, pre-health, whatever. I didn't know what I wanted to do at first. I uh, started out at NYU Polytechnic Institute of Technology. Um, NYU Poly actually transitioned to NYU Tandon School of Engineering now. I went there. I was recruited for basketball. Yeah. Um, they got rid of the team there after my second year, and it was going well. I had a great group of friends there, great guys. Um, so I transferred to Stevens, and then I finished up there. I actually didn't play my – final year of college because I started to transition into um I was shadowing over that summer that last summer I was um I was starting to, to kind of hone in on what I wanted to do and and just I realized I wanted to go dentistry I was shadowing dentists or surgeons and and that was really it after I saw the those two guys uh Dr. Nicastro actually believe it or not actually, he's yeah. a Brook um faculty member I hope you got nice. to meet him no I, don't, I, haven't, I haven't met him yet but I know of no? him no, you will. you will. I'll introduce you if we have Ooh. to. Absolutely. Let's do it. And then Dr. Capuano is the oral surgeon from Suffolk County. Yeah. Uh -huh. Nice. Gotcha. But yeah, you got plenty of time, man. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Brent, let's start at the beginning. Uh, why dentistry? What gave you that spark and what's keeping you lit to this day? Ooh, what got me started? Um, it, it was, it was, well, I, I always wanted to help people go into healthcare, right? Yeah. Um, 
and then I met Dr. Nicastro, Dr. Capuano at the gym, believe it or not. I was, uh, I used to get up. So they would go to the gym at five, four o'clock, five o'clock when it opened in the morning. In, in high school, I used to get up and go there and do, do a quick basketball workout before school. Yeah. Um, and I saw them in the distance. They, they had a, <laughs> they, they had Dr. Capuano's office manager who was kind of like a heavier set guy friendly fellow and they used to just rip on him the whole workout and then other people in the gym would start chiming in like yeah <laughs> we'll be cracking up and I, yeah. so i was like I, I like these guys i like yeah. these guys turns out in college i actually got to meet them mm. uh i thought they were construction workers they would come to the gym in these big pickup trucks you know lincoln navigators jeeps um trucks right yeah uh, they, would, they would come in an all black so the gym community called them the men in black and then uh, when I was studying for organic chemistry, one of my friend's moms, who's a nurse, said, oh, no, they're dentists. Like, that guy's an oral surgeon. They got A's in orgo. Go ask mm-hmm. them. So I met them, shouted for them, and I, I switched from going medicine to dentistry. And here we are in oral surgery. What, what year was that of college? That was like junior that, that was That was after first year, starting second year. So it was, this, okay. it was the beginning of summer before my second year of college. Got you. I think I see Dr. Like Nicastro. Nicastro is his name? Nicastro? Nicastro, yeah. You know, I think I, I looked at his Instagram page. And this man's like pumping hundreds, you know, on the bench. Yeah. That's crazy. That dude's huge. That's nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you got to meet him. He yeah. got, he's a, guy's a stud. He's in He's in Long Island? Yeah. He's yeah, uh, he in the station area. Yeah, maybe. All right. I'm down, down to meet him. Um, So like, you know, many, many pre-dentals go, find their wise in the dentistry, like towards the end of their college years, you know, people that are lucky, I guess they, they're, they realize it earlier, like sophomore, you know, freshman year. Um, mm-hmm. so how do you approach like undergrad knowing that you wanted to pursue dental school? Like after you realized, you know, you want to go the dental route instead of med school? Well, uh, that's a great question. First thing was that I, I knew I'd have to take a gap year, but I used it to my advantage because I was switching from studying for the MCAT at that point to studying for the DAT. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, okay, I'm just going to have to take a step back, figure it out. But I knew I could work in the gap year. I could um, learn how to, I could read books, learn stocks. Uh, I consume a lot of Gary Vaynerchuk's content. Um, I actually produced some music for that, for that year. I was working three different jobs. I was working two lifeguard jobs, one weekends, one weeknights. And during the day, I was actually a dental assistant, a surgical assistant for Dr. Capuano. So I was working at the oral surgeon's offices. He had the two offices I was going between. Um, you figure it out, right? Like, you know, you can't always tell what the next turn in the road is going to be. You can see the destination. Sometimes that de- destination might mold a little bit, but you have to be adaptable. You have to be self-aware and know that you're going to make the most of it. And you have to be adaptable to say, this is how I'm going to adapt and make the make it into something worthwhile. And mm-hmm. I must say, I'm the biggest advocate for gap years because – that gap year, I got to learn where I was in the scope of the grand scheme of the world, right? Well, not out of the world, but on like the real world basis. If you go through life only being in school, you really only know how to study for that next test, how to interact on a classroom basis, not literally, but figuratively, right? You yeah. need to know what's bigger than the classroom. Yeah, I think it's totally huge. And, you know, for people that, you know, might might realize they want to go dentistry, like junior year, senior, I mean, gap year is like something they should really probably consider. Um I know some people that have just gone straight through, but I feel like, you know, if you're, if you have time and you, you want to get more experience and you want to like learn your gap year, I think it's perfect, honestly. Um, so how did you, you know, you understand you want to go dental. So how did you set up your experiences throughout undergrad to, to kind of set up that success and make sure you're on track? 
um in in undergrad yeah um in undergrad let's see i mean it's really just trying to get the best grades you can mm. it's molding your application towards the school you're studying more i say the same thing when applying to residencies you know you got to kind of see what those people do so if you're an undergrad you got to see what dentists do and then the next step is well there are different types of dentists have you seen right. a variety of what those dentists have done yeah. what did you like what did you not like how do you see yourself fitting into the big picture and when you figure all these things out, you literally just made your interview scenario, your interview conversation. Yeah, for sure. Um, so you know, let's go to undergrad now. So you're in undergrad. Um, I know you did some research in there. So can you talk a little bit about your research experience and kind of, uh, you know, what kind of role did that play into, um, you know, applying to dental school and just, uh, you know, how'd you, get, <laughs> how'd you get the opportunity? We're hitting all the, the academic points. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Research, uh, it was great. I, I worked for Dr. Glavy and um, t- Dr. Catabiana in at Stevens. And basically, I was like assisting a PhD student on all the research she did. Mm-hmm. She was a foreign exchange student from China who is now pursuing her PhD um, after finishing her master's. And uh, it was in a lab. We were doing gene amplification of the, um, oh, it, it would the Warner, the Warner's helicase gene, uh, the Warner's gene, basically, it, I mean, long story, story short, we were putting gene amplification on it. So it would light up to see if it made it through the, um, nuclear pore complex okay. into the nucleus of the cell. Turns out it did. And this is a gene involved in aging it. And, and then, uh, if you know, Warner's disease, Warner's syndrome, I forget the exact, it has accelerated aging. Mm-hmm. So kind of whether that protein made it into the nucleus or not, um, kind of showed how the the disease panned out and what relation did it have to dental school? Absolutely nothing. It showed that I got involved. Um, When I stopped playing basketball, I, that's when I picked up the research project and I really got into that. Um, I had to stay there like four days a week over the summer. Not bad, but like, like early in the summer. So I don't know. It was just involvement, right? I actually got an award for it, which was super nice. And and I was super appreciative to win the, the award. Um, just, I mean, I'm, I don't know if I'm being modest or not. I mean, I don't think I earned that award any more than anyone next to me. It was just, I was really appreciative to win it, but there were so many people doing research. How do you pick someone to win, you know? Yeah. But, um, so yeah. Nice. Um, so, uh, how about shadowing and assisting? Did you, um, you know, how'd you get involved there? Uh, Dr. Castro, Dr. Capuano, they had a third guy back then, another Nick. Dr. Nicastro's first name is Nick. There was another right. Nick Giannuzzi who, uh, I, so I shadowed those three guys um, throughout that summer, actually, when I was uh, working on research. And yeah. so, so I would work four days a week in research. I would come home. I would shadow on Friday and then Saturday, Sunday, I would work in lifeguard. Um, yeah. Yeah. Do you think like, um, you know, shadowing really just opened your eyes to the different kind of things that you could do like in dentistry? Cause you were pre-med before. So, you know, did that just kind of like cement your, your choice going this route hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you gotta, you gotta surround yourself with mentors that you, you, you admire that you want to be like that you, you look up to and, and mentors that are going to mentor you, you know, cause that's always <laughs> another thing that doesn't always pan out, but does. And, and it did. And that's, you know, that's what I recommend to kids. You got to find a mentor that that's willing to stick through the course with you. Mm-hmm. And I feel like once you find one, like, you know, then you start branching out to more people and more people and more people like the doctor I work for work for right now. Um, he knows Dr. Pruthi, which, you know, too. And, um, you know, I've been going to him like a couple of weeks, a couple like maybe five times total now. And like 
you know, every, every time I go, I'm just so impressed with how he like can handle patients and how he just like, it feels like the job he's doing right now is like a side hustle because the, man, <laughs> the, man, the man's in like the OR, he's doing, he's teaching at Stony Brook. He's doing so many different things. And it just, it's like inspiring. Every time I go there, it, it just rejuvenates my, like my motivation for doing this, you know? And you need to keep doing that. He's phenomenal. Yeah. Dr. Pruthies. He wrote my letter of recommendation for surgery programs. Great. I'm going to him on Friday for my wisdom teeth, I think. Oh, you really? For the consult, yeah. Oh, for the consult? Yeah, just for a consult. And then we'll see what oh. happens after. Yeah. All yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. He's, 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 <laughs> I'm excited. I've seen um, – I've shadowed a couple of times where he took out wisdom teeth, and uh, I want him doing it. <laughs> the man for the job. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so what were your – like? major obstacles that you face like during undergrad i know obviously you said that you had to transfer into stevens um so you know once you got it got, got into stevens like what major hurdles did you have to overcome just to you know set yourself up for down school oh sure oh actually this is th- th- this is a loaded question there were a lot of hurdles in that transfer especially having done two years already and not transferring in as a junior like yep. but um i i want to ask you a quick question yeah, for sure. Let's let's just bring the audience, you know, whoever's listening in, how we met, right? Because right. we yeah, met yeah, before. Yeah. I was gonna right? I was gonna touch on this, yeah. Yeah. So um in ninth grade, I believe. So I just moved I w- I lived in uh Jersey in eighth grade, so I moved to uh, Smithtown ninth grade, which is in Long Island. Um and there was a gym over there called NYSC. I think they shut it down now. I think it's gone. They, New York Sports huh. Club band, they shut it, it went down. down. It went down, but um that's where I met them, by the way, Dr. Nakash. Yeah, yeah I'm assuming sport. at that gym. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, you know, ninth grade, I was on the, I was uh, trained for basketball essentially at my, at my school. And then, you know, I'm in the gym there and I see this man right here, Brandon, Brandon. Um, and we're, I don't know, I feel like he looked really familiar for something, but I don't remember. <laughs> and then, like, we just started playing and it was a good time. And I think we probably played a couple of times there. Um, and then, you know, fast forward to, to college now i think a pre, my first like pre-dental meeting when i switched into pre-dental i see brendan uh like he comes and presents for us um i think with your with with sean i believe oh, yep yeah. he's an ortho resident i believe second year yep. second year yeah. ortho resident stonybrook yep cool 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 yeah so then i see brendan in the in the um in the meeting i'm like and then i text him after i'm like wait a minute are you the guy from like four years ago when you played in the gym and he's like yeah that's him and that's it's just like a small <laughs> word that was like a small word moment right there um and you know that's when I just kind of realized, like, I would never suspect this man is in like dentistry or like doing anything. And I feel like that's how you felt with uh, Dr. Uh, DeCastro. And um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I guess the moral of the story right there is like, you never know who you're going to talk to and you never know who, what kind of connections they might have. So it's important to just keep, keep everyone in the back of your mind, you know, if they catch your eye and just kind of, you know, you never know where life will take you. I guess that's like the moral of the story right there. Yeah. And finally, we are. Yeah, yeah. And all the people you connect with, you know, because we connected through basketball and then yeah. dentistry. And now we're connecting on, I mean, you're doing a lot with social media. I have a big yeah. history with social media. We, we could talk more about that later because I, I have some ideas. But, um, oh, and then the fact that just you're realizing that there's a lot more to a person than just their career. Or, like we're saying in undergrad, and I also, I looked into the last meeting that you had with, with the last student. Yeah. Just like he said, there's a lot more to your resume when you're applying to dental school resume um just everything your, your your whole being your portfolio than just academics exactly and we had dr kim on um she's a general practice resident i think she works in uh philadelphia now but she you know dr diana kim you might know her yeah, I know yeah. so uh you know she told us that like you know you got to be more than a more than just a bookie because 
dentistry is such a social, such a social like practice, depending on like, I guess where you go, but either way you're dealing with people. And at the end of the day, if you can't deal, if you can deal with paper better than people, there's going to be kind of an issue there. Um, you know, in terms of credibility, connections with your patients, stuff yeah. like that. So, and, um, you know, I even see that when I work in my job too, like when I, I find myself, you know, when I'm stuck in the book studying for an exam or something, I'm not this, I'm not as social to other people, like patients as I would be if I, you know, where I was actively, you know, being more than my, my academics. So I think it's a really big part of, uh, and I'm sure you can attest to that too. Oh, absolutely. You got to be a social person. It, it, it doesn't even have to do with, with talking necessarily. It has to do with the appreciation of connecting with another person. Exactly. Um, and, and it's, it's so true. If you really think about it, it's so true because I started out at the beginning of residency, just not, not, it's not about me, but it's the fact that like, you want to connect with people probably 50% of more of my patients here, especially in the Bellevue clinic, there's, they're hundred percent Spanish speaking. Right. Uh, and you, so look, I'm going to figure out how to speak Spanish. And yes, my girlfriend speaks Spanish, you know, and we're learning. So a little bit of cheats here and there, but the fact is, is like, no, no, no. Like every conversation, you're just trying a little more and you're connecting with that patient and they appreciate it so much. Exactly. And I went on a mission trip uh, to Guatemala. You might, you might've heard. Um, and you know, I took Spanish for maybe six, seven years, like throughout wow. middle school, no, like through middle school, high school. And like, honestly, I didn't learn at all as much as I did that first week I was there because no over there, it's just like, we live with the host family, right? So the host family only spoke Spanish. So we had to speak in like, my Spanish got so much better just in that one, one or two weeks that we were there. Oh, I'm sure. But, um, yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, when I come back, our office, we had a couple, you know, Spanish speaking uh, patients and my doctor, Dr. Vinoy, like he knows how to speak Spanish and Vinoy. Yeah. Dan? He, knows, he knows a little bit. Yeah. Dan. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I know Dan too. Yeah. yeah nice. Wall intramural with, um... I know. I've taken him, I've taken him to come to the rec and we play a little bit sometimes. Oh dude. I got to get out there to Stony Brook. I'll get Sean yeah. out. We go play some ball. Oh cool. yeah. I'm down. He's, he should be around. Right. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so. in the area too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, he he so Dr. Vinoy, he was able to speak to the patient, make her understand the whole procedure um in Spanish. And like that probably led him to getting the um getting the treatment. You know what I mean? Like that's probably what convinced her to trust this guy and like do the treatment. So I feel like, you know, that's just a quick example of, you know, how long how you know how connecting with your patients can go, I guess. Right, right. You gotta, you gotta and I wouldn't phrase it as gaining the trust of your patient. It's it's literally connecting with your patient to to give them the treatment they need. Yeah. You know, and and I most of the time I do end up having to get a Spanish translator, especially early on, um, because you need to make sure that they understand right. fully. Um, and then there's the case where some interpreters don't know how to translate the medical terms either. But regardless, yeah, actually, just to touch on that point you said in Guatemala, you learn more in one week. I think it's because you were speaking it. Yeah. One of the things I found is I, I started with Duolingo like a year and a, about two years ago. Mm. And it's great up to a certain point, but then it has you like rewriting things. And no, no, I'm not trying to read and write. I just want to speak and listen, you know, and we got to make an app to do that. That's, I mean, it's so fundamental. If you actually want to speak Spanish, you got to stop writing and reading and writing it. You got to talk. 100%. You know, like high school, it, it, like vocab exams, like just spelling, like that stuff doesn't translate to speaking and conversing and understanding because their, their native know. tongue, the native tongue is so different from like, hola, como estas? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So yeah. you gotta, you gotta, it's gotta be deeper than that. It's gotta be more conversational. So, um, no, oh, sure. and then you got the dialects, right? Because yeah, there's different, 
Exactly. Speaking of- <laughs> yeah, when we were there, there was like an intake station and stuff. So, you know, patients come, we think, oh, it's just Spanish. We got it. No, there's like a hun- over a hundred different dialects or maybe 30, like different dialects within. Spanish. It's crazy. It's just, it blows my mind. But um, let's get back to, you know, obstacles and uh, undergrad. Yeah. yeah. What, what, what you got going on over there? Oh, okay. <clears throat> so obstacles. Okay. So imagine yourself in high school and you just made your friend group after your first and second year, all these, your buddies that you came in high school with, you got two more years together. You're going to apply to colleges together. Mm. And then you switch to another school because athletics, you know, external factors, contributing family, friends, sports, the future. Um, so that's kind of, of what happened. But when I switched being on the basketball team, wasn't what I thought, you know, I thought I was going to, I, had a really good time on the basketball team. Um, the coach was super understanding where they would, you know, if you had an exam, they'd let you out of practice early or the coach, you would just say, don't come tonight. You have a final tomorrow. We get it. You know what I mean? Like um, when I switched to Stevens, it wasn't like that. I was actually, uh, there was a biochemical, bio, biochemical, you know, engineer, biomedical engineering guy on the team, but I was chemical biology, basically like pre-med. I was the only one on the team. Everyone else was business. There were a couple engineers, um, no, but, but it wasn't understood. There wasn't that understanding. And then hour and a half, two hour practices turned into three, three and a half hour practice. I, I got to study, man. You know, I'm not going to be a professional basketball player. I'm not going to be a basketball coach. You know, hopefully one day, maybe I will. I'd love to give back. But the fact is, is what, you know, your career route is different and we have to differentiate hobbies and kind of, you know, where they are in terms of your life. I loved basketball growing up. I still do. I don't have time to play anymore, but you know, it's, it, it, it's, I don't know. It, it's crazy how some, some things can, can turn from a hobby and like, like your, your love passion and just kind of get suffocated a little bit, you know, there's like a term for that. I forgot what it's called, but I felt the same way coming out of high school, um, you know, played like three years of varsity basketball. And like, when I came here, obviously you're going to be a little bit better than everyone else, but there's not that same, like you lose your kind of sense of purpose. You're not like on a team anymore. You're just kind of playing it recreationally, and then you have to do, you know, your pre-dental requirements or whatever you got to do just to get in, you know. So sometimes I feel like that, but honestly, basketball is something that keeps me, like, engaged in school, honestly. Like, I feel like I do better in school when I'm, you know, I get that fix, you know. Um, yeah, you get the release. Important. Escapism. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I don't, it just kind of resets, you know, yep. your, mind, your mind. You don't, you get out of it, you know. Exactly. Um, 100%. What, you got to yeah. reset once in a while. For sure, for sure. Um, so – we're just going to get right back, right back into it. So um, can you review your dental, dental school application, like the process? Uh, how'd, you, how'd you kind of take it on? <clears throat> oh, the, okay. The application. Uh, so I told you I took a gap year. Yep. I finished. So we have to kind of picture this. I, mm-hmm. I studied for the DAT right when I graduated. So when we were really partying, you know, graduating college and whatnot, I'd go out one night and I, I would miss the next night kind of thing. You know, I'd go to the beer, um, the Brooklyn brewery tour, for example, but I didn't, I didn't go out after that. Like, do I regret it? You know, these are, those are experiences I missed out on. And, you know, we miss out a lot on this route of, of pre-health, mm-hmm. but um, no, it's, it's what I had to do because I had less than two months to study for the DAT. Um, the way I structured it though, this, this would really help undergrads was I, I broke it up. So what's one, let me ask you, what's the one subject on the DAT exam that you don't learn anything about in dental school? Probably just PAT. PAT. So yeah. I actually studied the PAT during winter break. 
So okay. I just focused in on the PAT winter break, knocked it out in like two, two and a half weeks, um, cracked that pat. That's what I used for that. Yeah. Starting the summer, I went right into biochem, went right into uh, general chem, orgo, right? Reading math. And basically just round the clock, just went between those subjects. However, I did it. Like you knock off one by one and then you go DAT uh, boot camp tests. And then I took the test and, and it was all history from there. But yeah, less, less than two months, unfortunately. But, you know, you get the score you need and you get into school. Nice. Yeah, no, I think uh, many people like try to cram stuff within like six weeks or something. But oh, that, it just I guess it just depends on how different you are as a person. Like if you can do that, hey, dude. I'm, no one's stopping you, but like, <laughs> but like, you know, if you got, if you put your, if you set aside, like, that's what I'm going to do during winter break. I'm setting aside like a solid two, three months to just kind of grind it, grind it out, get it done. Um, you know, there's no, there's no like immediate rush. I want to make sure I have enough time to just kind of do it. Um, yeah. You know, and I feel like that's where a gap year might come in where some people will feel like they have to rush to the DAT when, you know, they got to finish their courses or they got to do whatever they got to do. You know, life hits you. So, yeah. um, you know, people put themselves under pressure to finish like right away in four years. That's what you're supposed to do. Right. So, right. Um, you know, that's a huge, huge thing. And like, I think everyone that I've talked to on this podcast, they've probably half of them have taken one or two gap years. So like, yeah, not like, and the average matriculation, what is it like a 26 or something? 20, like it's high there. It's high twenties. It's a for dental school. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah <laughs> i don't know so so you took your deity uh you know you got your extracurriculars together you know you're shadowing whatever that's um, a high dat score man is, is it still at a 30 um yeah i think it's at 30 and people are like I, there were there were 20 26 is 28 oh no no no. i mean like the age of matriculation into the school like how, oh how oh i was gonna say no no no, no, no. it's not it's not no. 20, yeah it's, just, it's not 20 26 again i wouldn't have gotten in i think tw- i think stony brook is like a 21 or something 20 around there a little higher yeah i think it's like a 22 have 20 yeah 22 something like that I'm yeah actually sure. i mean not an advertisement but we we put together sean and i and we put together pre-dent mentor maps so we kind of organized um statistics for each dental school it's a little higher for stony brook from what i remember but yeah just the pre-dent mentor map is is a good helpful tool for that nice we'll get we'll get into all that i want to get into all that stuff honestly like what Do it. yeah ministry and delete it we'll get into that um so so, uh, you know, now you got your DAT, you got all your scores together. So how did you go on choosing which general school you wanted to apply to? And how did you kind of narrow it down to Stony Brook? Okay, great, great question. Um, this was the, kind of the first point in my life where I was applying. You know, like my parents helped me what school you want to apply to. I had a guidance. We all have guidance counselors in high school. Yeah. Oh, what school you want to go to? What do you think you want to do? Blah, blah, blah. And playing basketball in college really kind of influenced that around athletics and around having a strong academic school. Cause I knew I kind of wanted to be pre-health along the way, but um, for dental school, it was like, well, I, I don't know how many do you apply to? There's no, and that's kind of why we're creating this that we'll go into in a bit, but it's like, there's no guidance in undergrad for this. It's like word of mouth from anyone at your college that might've gone or is going into dentistry above you. Other than that, maybe, you know, a dentist, a lot of people have parents that are dentists that go into dental school. We learned that. But otherwise, there's no guidance. There's no guidance counselor for going into dentistry in college. That's, so we're kind of trying to create that and more, which we'll get go into. But the fact that so I was looking in the area, I was like, well, I mean, I'm not going to go to Utah. I'm I'm not going to go to to Washington. I mean, I know Starbucks was founded up there. Other than that, I don't know. It rains a lot, I think. 
So let's stick in the area. Let's do, stick with something we know. Um, I have family in Florida, so I applied to <clears throat> UF, Stony Brook, Columbia, Toro, Buffalo, Rutgers, and, and NYU, of course. So so that's that's seven. seven. I got interviews at everyone but Florida because Florida is like 98% in-state that they take. So fine, whatever. Um, interviewed at the, at the rest, and then I kind of looked at what kind of attention are these students getting? And, and for me – after having shadowed Dr. Capuano, having the interest, um, you know, pro- prior to starting dental school, had somewhat of an interest going into oral surgery. Didn't know. I was open-minded, but I was like, this looks pretty sweet. And I was like, which school is going to give me the best opportunity to get into in, into a specialty, right? Mm-hmm. And I was told you really kind of have to specialize for whatever reason. That's what the dentist had told me. Um, and that really came down to, oh, no, Columbia, I didn't apply to. Columbia, I, I didn't apply. I, I applied late, like November, and they oh. already sent out all their applications. So I just wasted 80 bucks or whatever it was at the time. Um, but I applied to every other New York school and Rutgers. That's, so that's how it worked. Um, it, was, it would have been Columbia or Stony Brook that has the best placement into specialties. Mm. That's really kind of why I picked Stony Brook. And, and the reason being is because Stony Brook is such a small school. If you're going to be a general dentist, you probably want to go to school, small school and get the best um, – you know, hands-on experience with, with your attendings and, but hey, come to learn now, you know, your experience at dental school is actually super important too. You got to be happy. You really have to be happy. So, yeah. So, um, you know, you got those interviews. Uh, can you just run us through your interview process? Like what kind of questions were you prepared for? Were you not prepared for? What should the pre-dentals expect, you know, going to those interviews? Yeah. I, I had some stupid flashcards of like, some kind of someone told me like, oh, know these dental questions. I wasn't asked any dental questions. Toro was great. The attending sat me down. He's like, you want to go here? And we, and we started talking about basketball for a half hour. His son played basketball. I played basketball. We're talking about basketball. This, it yeah. was awesome. I, we didn't even talk dentistry. Stony Brook was great. Uh, the attending's not there anymore. He's uh, Dr. Schwartz. But um, we were talking about, uh, I told him my dad fly fishes. He fly fish in New Hampshire, blah, blah, blah. Um, Dr. Seaver there, he's still there. We were talking about uh, his son, who's a professional poker player, believe it or not. Interesting. NYU was cool because I knew the dean there. <laughs> kind of helps, right? Yeah, yeah, always. Rutgers was awesome because I knew someone was on the board there um, who actually ended up being the person interviewing me. So, And, and he had a side company at the time. And I just wanted to pick his brain about the side company. So we talked about that. Um, yeah. So I, I mean, it, I, I like talking about people with people about things other than that. When we get to it, of course, I mean, you got to load up your resume, did the research, was in team atmospheres, mentored, was an organic chemistry tutor. Through, you know, I, like I hit all the bases, but I didn't want to talk about that. Just like we said earlier, talk about the people outside of the career. No, for sure. I think that's, again, just nailing the point again. Perfect. Um so, you know, now you're in dental school, you chose Stony Brook. Uh, like, what was your experience with D1 and D4? Um, how did you kind of see yourself evolve as a person and, you know, really start honing in on, you know, what you want to do after dental school? Dental school is such a stressful environment. Mm-hmm. Um, not going to lie. A lot of it is is kind of allowed by by the teachers. The teachers could really kind of prevent that by 
I mean, I haven't given a lot of thought in a while about how to, to kind of prevent what's going on. <laughs> well, first of all, teachers should change their chests from the year before. <laughs> <laughs> Second of all, I think we should actually get some applicable knowledge in some of these courses. Like, let's actually work on our hand skills. Like, like when you get into the sim lab, let's do more in the sim lab. Right. Let's build a bigger sim lab, right? And let's get less learning about the paradigm is super important, right? But, you know, you're... You could talk about it with the patient a little bit, but for the most part, they want to know terms that they can understand. They're not going to talk, know what the biological width at 0.86 millimeter, like, like, you know, we need more applicable stuff. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, that's just my, that's just my, you know, we need to be talking about like, how do you actually run a practice? How mm -hmm. about practice management? Like dealing with problems in the workplace. Um, do you want to be an employee versus be an owner? This is very important because it's going to play um, the, the it's going to play into the environment and the actual attitudes of the environment. Um, it's going to play a big on the, on how you treat, not how you treat patients, but what patients think of the atmosphere. Are they, you just a money mill trying to get them out or are you trying to sit them down and get to know them? Maybe they'll have, you know, if it's grandma Margaret, you put implants in uh, grandma, you know, wants great grandma put the denture in and then have little Sydney have her wisdom teeth taken out. It, it, it's just, I don't know. I love community dentistry. That's, that's mm -hmm. kind of what I want to get into. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, I think I, I was, I, that was actually one of the questions I was going to ask you, like how applicable is that information towards, you know, towards sim lab. And I think the same thing in undergrad, like I feel like some of the information is kind of, I mean, obviously undergrad, everyone's doing different things. So I understand like the curriculum might not be to super applicable to, you know, what you're going to do in the future. But I think that's a major change at, like our education system needs to make. Um, you know, I don't know. Uh, I feel like that just benefit everyone much more, to be honest. Um, yeah. Oh, it would. It, it would benefit everyone. Patients, doctors, you'd actually be happier with because you're going to know that this isn't about just becoming a dentist. It's about being happy with being a dentist every single day that you wake up. That's what we need to kind of push more in the curriculums at these dental schools. But now that we have dental schools that are being opened up by DSOs and a lot mm. of influential money being pushed in, who knows the direction it could go. It could go in a great direction. It could go in another direction. Yeah. Power of influence is very strong when money gets put into play. But, you know, anything can be done. You know, the world is changing with the internet, social media, blockchain, NFTs. We'll see where it goes. Mm -hmm. Right. So uh, can you just kind of walk us through like what you had to experience, um, you know, in each year of dental school? What what was the, you know, when did you start touching hand pieces? When did you start getting like the clinical based um, part of dental school? You know, so pre-dentals can kind of get a good idea of, you know, what to expect. Yeah. Yeah. We started touching hand pieces a couple of weeks in, you know, in um, dental morphology at Stony Brook, at least when we started getting there, we were started with waxing hand pieces came in like a few months in. Um that, that was that. And then we were taking the medical school courses until March, the first year, you know, D1 year. Um, second year, we started to get more involved with PROS, being fixed PROS and removable PROS. After January, February, we started in the clinic once every two weeks, I think, because they switch mm -hmm. groups on Wednesdays. Third year, you're in clinic, I think, four days a week. No, maybe, maybe a little about, about like, like, two to four days a week, I think third year, fourth year, you're, you're in every day, basically, right. you know, um, fourth year. So, it, I mean, gearing this towards the CBAC, I always recommend you got to learn how to balance 
studying for dental school, right? You got to get through yeah. dental school and then managing clinic work, which comes later on. And on top of all that studying for the CBC, it's a lot to take on, but it's all about self-awareness, knowing how much time it takes you to study versus how much time you need in clinic. Mm-hmm. For me personally, I, I, I was always so stressed because I knew I wasn't as book smart as everyone else, but I could get the grades that I needed. You know, I, I, I stuck with just A's and B's, you know? Um, but I knew I didn't have to practice as much for practicals and such. And, and knowing that actually played huge to my advantage. Got you. So I want to ask this question, like, how did it feel, you know, going from a Typhodon or like a mannequin to actual people in dental school? Like, what was that transition like for you? Uh, the first time it's inter- getting, getting a patient numb is the biggest thing. That's what you start with. But also yeah. when you're getting someone numb, numb, it's all feeling, right? They tell you the technique, right. you know, you put it over the opposite premolars, you inject, you know, lateral to the tergum, uh, the raffi, but but when you're doing it, it's like, well, the needle's gone. I can't see anything now. I don't know where this is going, but, you know, for your first time, it could be a thing. And then all of a sudden they're numb and you're like, all right, let's go. Castro, let's go. <laughs> let's <get it> going. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. So that, that's, that's how it goes. <laughs> so like, were there any, you know, what kind of struggles did you face throughout dental school? Was there academic struggles or was it just kind of uh, like manual dexteric struggles? Um. No manual dexterity struggles. Uh, no, uh, th- th- there weren't, there wasn't academic struggles. There was more of academic, like understanding that I'm going to get there and just focus on how you learn rather than focusing. I'd be studying so much and you study so much. You're just like reading, reading, reading and not absorbing. Yeah. I could have just taken a step back and relax and said, let's put all this in Quizlet, study it a couple of times um, using figures. I, I'm a very, a lot of people, visual learners. Mm-hmm. If, I, if I figured out how to do that with Quizlet earlier, I would have studied. It would have taken like a tenth of the time to study. Yeah. It really would have. But, but it's self-awareness. Um, so, you know, wait, hold on. I think the Zoom meeting is about to end like in 40 minutes. But, so that's, like that. that's a common struggle to all dental students. You know, you're yeah. stressing so much. And then everyone else is stressing around you. And then boom, 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 it just rises up. I think the biggest takeaway to say is, is like, you're going to get to where you want to go, right? Learn the material, take your time. Um, whatever goes wrong, you're going to have an opportunity to correct it. For example, test scores and and everything will turn out just fine in the end. Mm-hmm. You need to enjoy the little pieces of dental school where you can. And I feel like, um, you know, the small class size of Stony Brook, like the faculty-student ratio might help a lot, to be honest. Um, is that something that's true? Yeah. Yeah. What for, for being a dentist? Yeah. Yeah. Just, just for learning, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, now, now you're, you know, getting through dental school. Something I really wanted to get to is how did you decide to go the LMFS route? Um, I was kind of aiming. So, so very simple. If you aim for it in the beginning, I had an open mind, but I was aiming for oral surgery. Okay. What other residency requires a test to get into? No idea. Ortho. 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 Right? But ortho's, uh, I think it's a G- GMAT, GRE, GMAT. It's it, like, it's not as strict as an a- application requirement as the CBSE is. Okay. You know what I mean? So it's like, if you aim for oral surgery, it's like you could you could quickly mold and, and go into endo, go into ortho, go into peds. It's, it's very manageable to go from oral surgery to other 
um, specialties. And a lot of people are interested in oral surgery. More than half our class was in the first few months of dental school. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I don't know what happened. I'm still waiting for (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, you know, how'd you decide to, you know, again, applying to to residency, right? How'd you list your schools and did you kind of have, um, did you like visit, uh, programs beforehand that you kind of just get a better understanding of which, you know, each one had to offer? Yeah, of course. The biggest thing is I wasn't, I, I didn't want to be overbearing, but I did want to express that I was interested in oral surgery from an early stage of D1 year, because then you get to see which D4s on your D1 match, right? Every year you get to see, okay, yeah. Andrew Lolly's interested in oral surgery, um, Dan Bastardi, Ethan. I got to see all these guys match into oral surgery. So I got the best advice from them on specific programs. They would tell you, oh, you like this? You should check out this program. You should extern there. An externship is when you spend a week at the program, shadowing, observing, assisting, helping out in surgeries. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to get to see what a program's like. They get to see what you're like. I scheduled mine first at Montefiore, second here at NYU, third at VCU. So um, I got to see those programs. I, I was very interested in going to any one of those three and others. But I also planned on my externship trail very strategically because I wanted to go to powerhouse programs. So when you apply to, you know, reach schools, I didn't yeah. expect me to get into to NYU, Monty or VCU. But I extern there because you have a shot. I don't expect getting in there. If I do really well, now I get myself an interview. If I don't, well, you know, I didn't expect it anyway. Two, on the application it, it's known inter, you know, na- nationally that those are strong programs. So it's going to look good when you apply to other programs in other areas of the country. Got you. So you just like put yourself in the best position, honestly, just in case you, know, you were to get exactly. it. What happens. Oh, okay. You always want to put yourself in the best case. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, you know, I think you're in the four-year program, right? I don't, oh, I, yeah. I, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> so what's like the main difference? Is it just the difference between the six and four, just two years? Is that all it is? Or does it more to, you know, what you learn and how much you get to see and do? It not a difference in what you get to see and do. Uh, yes and no. You do those two years you're spent in medical school. Right. Mm-hmm. And you're getting your MD. That's what differentiates the four and six. But guess what? Ninety nine percent of oral surgeons do oral the same oral surgery. Right. Um, there's that rare one guy, you know, that gets his MD and then he goes into doing BBLs, breast surgery, tummy tucks. Dr. Tolomeo mm-hmm. is who graduated from NYU here, young, young, awesome attending. Um, that's what he ended up doing, but most don't end up doing that. And I looked at it head on because Dr. Capuana told me very early, look, if you're interested in oral surgery, unless you want to do breast implants, butt lifts, tummy tucks, um, you don't need your MD. Right. You could get out sooner. And on top of that, most pro- like 99% of programs, you need to pay for those two years of medical school. Right. At NYU, you don't luckily, right. but that's very important to keep in mind. Right. right. So why would you spend an extra two years learning about boats when you're going to be a car mechanic, for example? Yeah, exactly. Literally what it comes down to. Exactly. So like, what's life like in residency now? This is your, this is your second year going into it? Second year. Yep. So what kind of stuff did you have to go through your first year? First year, I started five, six months on anesthesia rotation, where you're a full-on anesthesia resident. Um, After that, I did six months at the Bellevue Clinic as the intern, doing intern work, running the clinic, setting up OR cases. At that time, we didn't have a PA or coordinator. Um, We were short-staffed in in the the clinic, too, for that time. There there was a lot of work to be done. I'm talking 10 to 13-hour days. 
like never less than like usually 12 to 13 hour days at least wait no six 12 13 sorry 15 15 hour days um working six days a week and and oh no but but it, it was a great time because like i took i was the guy in the clinic yeah you know so i got to see right. every patient so that was good now i'm on now we transition transition to six months of rotation rotations rotations you go off service so you're in surgical specialties on the medicine side right general surgery rotations yeah. here we do um my first was general surgery at the va second was trauma surgery third which i just got off two weeks ago was hand and plastic surgery yeah plastic right. surgery also covers hand and they combine into one so when you're on call overnight or on a weekend day yeah, you're, you're covering both services, hand and plastics, and it's a lot of work. You're on 24-hour call every third day, so you're on call 10 times that month that you're on. Um, it's a lot to take in. Now I'm on bariatric surgery, and which is cool because now I'm in the OR every day. I'm assisting the bariatric attendings doing like gastric sleeves, uh, laparoscopic sleeve, gastrectomies, um, gastric bypasses, hernia repair, hiatal hernia repairs when the stomach kind of goes up through the hiatal hernia. Um, the sphincter. Right. And, um, so stuff like that. Next, I do one quick month back at Bellevue and oral surgery and then two months of medicine, uh, doing what medicine does. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, what kind of different oral surgeries have you participated in or have you done, uh, you know, maybe the most memorable ones, I guess you must have, you must have like a few, right? A few, not, not as many, because when you're an intern, at least, at least you're, you're doing mostly like intern work, not as much OR in the first year, but I, I don't, you know, the OR, I'm super like excited for it. The OR doesn't turn me on as much as other. When you're going into private practice, most oral surgeons, and when I, I want to get clinic based, I want to be doing a lot of sedations, wisdom teeth, implants, okay. like community dentistry. When you're in the OR, that's hospital based. Dr. Pruthi does a lot in the OR and, that, and that's awesome and fascinating. But, you know, there's less OR time versus clinic time. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know, I just want to become an expert at, clinical oral surgery um in the or I'll, I'll get there too but you know what i mean like so i'm i'm not like i'm not fretting anything because i wasn't in the or every day um my, my first year but the biggest oral surgery procedure that i saw in the or was at vcu it was a bicoronal flat where they make a decision on the top of the ear over the top of the skull to the top of the ear on the other side right. and essentially this was a <clears throat> 41 year old male he had a long history, like 20 plus years of cocaine use. He oh. did not have a nasal septum. He blew holes in the lateral sides of his, you know, the, so the maxillary sinuses on either side, there was a right. hole. He had a hole going downward through the top of his palate too. So whenever he drank water, it went up into his nose. Um, so he presented to the oral surgery clinic. He wanted to have that paddle defect repaired. So what they did was bicoronal flap. They took yeah. his temporalis muscle on actually was the left side. The anterior portion, they cut it, went down underneath the zygomatic arch, burned a small hole in the posterior side of the max of the maxilla, and then patched it into the superior aspect of the palate, right into the and um and and did that. It's crazy. So his whole head, his whole that's crazy. The scalp was folded forward to here it was all the way down um nuts just nuts surgery it was it was a 12 hour surgery 12 13 hour surgery there was blood all over the floor blood tracking into the hallway it, it was nuts it was a great experience 
<laughs> that's crazy. Dang. I mean, I guess that that's kind of what, I don't know. I feel like oral surgery is just a different beast from like, you know, if you're doing a GPR residency or if you're doing an ortho, I guess, um, no, we, we should have Sean on here also just to kind of give his, his perspective of things. But like, you know, oral surgery is very, I feel like it's the closest thing to medicine from dentistry you can get. Um, Bingo. And it's just like, you can just, I don't know. It's just super appealing to me, to be honest. I feel it like is. Cool. It's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. The, the thing is, it, it and, and any resident, so your dentistry specialties, any residency in dentistry that takes call is already another beast. I think you know, a big part of healthcare is to know how to manage complications, whether it's in the operatory, whether it's in the OR, in the ED, the emergency room, or it's with your family at home. Mm -hmm. You want to be someone that you could be looked upon for just a basic, but yet an emergency that you can help out with. That was something that always, I always thought was, was interesting. And GPR, pediatrics and oral surgery take call. Mm -hmm. It's a big part to these specialties that, that differentiates them from the other ones. To call yourself a surgeon, right? like an actual surgeon, you really know how to manage surgical complications. You do. So, you know, I mean, I'm not there yet. I'm not, I'm not a surgeon yet. I still have almost, you know, almost three years to go. But I think, you know, when you call when we call ourselves surgeons, you really kind of have to take in the aspect, like, you know, you put in the time to know how to manage complications. Right. So what are your, you know, you mentioned it, what are your goals and, uh, you know, plans that you like to do after residency or, you know, for the next two years, what do you plan on doing? Oh, a lot. Um, through residency working on, um, it's funny. It's like, I, I have a big passion for, I, I want to own, eventually own like the oral surgery office that, that I work at. Right. right. I think to get there, there's a lot of DSOs being, you know, going around these days, right. buying other practices, which are fine and everything. But I think for me, I kind of want to, mold and adapt the atmosphere of my office to how patients get comfortable, right. how, how they, you know, an atmosphere that they like, that they, that they look forward to going to. Most people don't go to the dentist, very yeah. fundamental, but it's true. And I, you know, you, if you're not an owner, you can't really do that. And then at the most fundamental aspect, when you're in dental school, you might not realize this, but when you work for another dentist, hmm. you get to do all the procedures that that dentist doesn't want to do. You don't get to do the yeah. procedures you want to do. Most most commonly, they're maybe higher paid procedures. You're not doing any of them. That dentist is doing because he owns the practice. So it's something like if you want to own your practice one day, you got to market yourself or you got to have the financials to open it up, right? You have to always have the financials though. Yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah. Right. So, I mean, I guess you have to work a little, you have to work a couple of years and then you can probably get yourself in a position for that. Work a couple of years or, you know, depending on how well your, your network, how well your market, maybe you could buy into a practice. Maybe you get to know dentists, mm -hmm. um, work in and buy into a practice. You're marketing yourself really well. You're starting this podcast. Um, you're implementing the visuals. Yeah. Uh, actually, I want to ask you questions about it, how you're chopping up the videos and whatnot. <laughs> but, um yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's something we don't understand. Everyone thinks that they're going to graduate and then start marketing. You're behind the eight ball. I feel like you got to just gotta have that mentality first while you're, while you have the time to, you know what I mean? Like you can't just get out and start doing that stuff later. It's gotta be now. It's gotta be now. Yeah. And you, you might, you don't have to make perfect videos. You just gotta try. That's yeah. what I'm uh, You gotta I'm get honest. started to be honest. Just gotta start, start doing stuff. 
and then eventually you can fine tune it later. But as long as you have like a foundation, like I feel like that's what I'm trying to do. Uh, once you have like a foundation, you know, in the future, you're setting yourself up for, for, in, for like innovation, I guess. Do that. Yeah. And it doesn't even have to be dentistry. I mean, look at Brandon Axelrod. Yeah. He's got the balloon thing that he does, right? <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious, but it's phenomenal. Perfect. Yeah. Think about that. He's got a client base in a pediatric population mm. that by the time he's an oral surgeon, say he's an oral orthodontist, he's going to be putting braces on their teeth or taking out their wisdom teeth. Like it's, it, yeah. it, it's nice. It's nice to see, you know? It's perfect. So let's talk a little bit about your businesses now. Uh, I know you, you run students of dentistry, uh, elite dentists and uh, top dental practices. What is that what it was called? Yeah. Sean Zar. Uh, best friend from dental school he's on top dental practices and we start we basically start all these together and more we could go into he's on top dental practices i'm on elite dentist brandon axelrod is actually our our manager of students of dentistry right now um and then we act so that's our dentistry things and we have other things trending in the background that we just we need to gain some capital to afford a team that can manage them and build them we actually have law well we have medicine right so we have elite physicians which we do get going again soon um hopefully pas we have elite veterinarians for the veterinary space and then our other big sector is law we have top attorneys top law firms and top law students right top attorneys is the is the biggest one there my mom's running it believe it or not and she's a fantastic job your mom and your mom's an attorney no she's not (laughs) Nice. She's a background in marketing. I like showed her how to do some things. She took she took it and ran with it. So right. I feel um, like this is like a brand, right? Elite. It sounds like just a brand. Then you just kind of branching off into these different things. Yeah. Top professionals. So that's the yeah. name of the the LLC. Yeah. And we're so it, it it's not just about we feature everyone for free, right? We try to like promote. But it's it's about connecting the community together. That's really what it's about. And it's different niches, dental students, dentists, dental practices. But we're trying to bring bigger things to the space, right? And social media is starting to change where there's there's TikTok now, there's YouTube shorts, um, Facebook fan pages are getting back into it. You got LinkedIn for the professional community and then you have podcasts, right? There's so many, it's very deep. but what we're trying to do is kind of actually, so what I'm saying is like, as Instagram is starting to diffusing where a lot of attention is going to other platforms, right. we're still trying to bring a bigger side of the, essentially what we're trying to do right now is we're, we created the pre mentor map and we have many other maps coming as we build, but the pre mentor map is to connect pre-dental students with current dental students that sign up with the map to be mentors for their specific school. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So the pre-dental student can submit some questions that can be answered by the, Hey, you know, like, what do you like about the school? What don't you like? Uh, what would you recommend me doing in undergrad? Like, what did you do in undergrad? Mm-hmm. Uh, what's a good DAT study sort? Just simple questions. Right. But what we'd like to do now is partner. And I don't want to reveal too much now because oh, the partnership isn't sealed, but wouldn't it be pretty cool if a current dental student can make a little bit of cash just from act, just literally helping the pre-dental student incentive process. It's incentive for them too. Right? Yeah. hundred, <laughs> 200 bucks a month. Isn't much. It goes a long way as a dental student, right? 200 bucks. Dude, that's, that's almost groceries for a month. Yeah. Right. Well, Definitely. well now with inflation, you know, but, but you get it right. So no, that's, that's cool. kind of where we're looking to see. We, we literally, so what, what I saw at this side topic, I saw a lot of students, they, that started um, side companies and whatnot throughout dental school. Right. They were like charging pre-dental students to um, 
get their knowledge, you know, help them get into dental school. And, and I get that, but the way Sean and I see it from the saw it from the get-go was pre-dental students are like the calves, right? Don't you want to take down the cows? And what I mean by that is we're not taking down anyone, but you have these big dental marketing companies, loops companies. Yeah. I don't want to mention any names, but these loops companies have a lot of marketing dollars and they don't want to spend it because figs, um, Medico and a lot of loops companies, they're getting away with free marketing from dental students, literally giving it away for a discount code. All right. They're giving yeah. away free marketing to companies that 10 years ago would spend 50 million trying to market to pre-dental students and whatnot. Those are the people I think we should be trying to gain funds from because we've created something that you see what I'm saying? Yeah. We should be creating free, not treatment, right? But we're, we're free help to pre-dental students and helping the bigger companies connect with the pre-dental students as like customers, but mm -hmm. in an organic way where you're not ripping anyone off. Like actual genuine information you're giving them. Genuine information, right? Yeah. So our initial pitch was like, we're connecting pre-dental students with current dental students. We'd like to give a discount code for their next pair of loots to the current dental students, right? And then you could sponsor the entire pre-dent mentor map. And now every pre-dent that goes through this map knows, is aware of oroscopic, designs for vision, Q-optics, whoever it may be. They didn't want to spend the money. We like, like, look, we, we were asking for, we weren't asking for a ridiculous amount compared to what they put into marketing year after year, but we're giving them an organic form of yeah. brand recognition. Like, you know, so we're going to keep going at it, but pre-dance come first. Are you kidding me? Like, like we're trying to build something. So yeah, a lot of side topics there, but so this mm -hmm. is kind of the direction we're going. Don't, don't get malicious and try to feed off the calves is, is that, you know, go after the bucks. The people that are established, the companies that have the money, you know? Yeah, for sure. That's a very deep conversation. And I feel like, uh, you know, that's, that's like the next uh, level of what pre-dental advice can become. Um, you know, yeah. and there's a lot of kids that, you know, we'll ask in our group or groomy group chats, like our other pre-dentals, they'll just ask us questions which we might not be able to answer. And honestly, like you have this entire resource of, dental students, you have these 69 dental schools, you got maybe freaking thousands of dental students ready to help you, but they're not doing anything because they're just doing their own work, but they're not, you know, passing this information down. Um, and so that's like the point of this podcast is, you know, one by one, you know, give a little bit of information out, tell everyone their stories and give them the contact information and just kind of, you know, let them do whatever they want with that, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, and there's dimensions to this map too. We, we want people to connect with the dental students and we make it easy for the dental student where it just, it's literally just an email that pops into their, their email and they could just send it back. We we've narrowed it down to, we try to make just three questions. Mm -hmm. So it's super convenient for them. We've also made, you use student doctor network. I've heard of it. I've heard of it. I don't know. Right. Yeah. There's, there's like, there's, questions about dental schools right, for on on student doctor network but there's no student doctor network specifically for dental schools we've created discussion boards on the pre-dent map so people can leave comments about the school here what the dat actually might be whatever i don't know right, we're getting there yeah we're getting, we want it to be useful yeah i think that's really important because there's not much pre-dental advising help and i feel like even if there was there's no it wouldn't be like a direct source it'd be like some male or female woman who's like in their 60s probably never went to dental school they don't have that first real experience so 
you know, what right. you're doing is, what you're doing is perfect. You know, it's like first, firsthand experience. Um, yeah. That's pretty important for people nowadays. So, yeah. So everyone, you can follow Brandon at your Instagram. I'll put it somewhere in the description later. Um, and his other 25 businesses he's got going on. <laughs> uh, and I know I watch like all of your reels that you put on and they're so entertaining, like, you know, case studies, questions. I might get them wrong. I don't care. I don't really care, but Thank um, you. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Just day in the life. You're, you're on like day 500 now or something like that. I don't know, but uh, getting there. We're getting there. Yeah. I try to do a lot of different dimensions. Like I, you know, I tried to feed like not feed, but what I'm trying to, Connect with the community by providing. And that's what the questions of the day are. You know, I want to learn a little topic. You can learn a little topic. And then you got the the day through residency. And then I, wow. I repost um, Q&As. I don't know. It's, it's trying to make different content. Do everything, you know? Yeah. yeah. What about you? So what's your next step? You are, which year? You're, I'm, you're a, I'm a junior now. So third year going okay. through, uh Probably going to start applying in June. Good. Um, DAT, the winter. Get all the rec letters in and stuff. So I'm an Orgo two ta now so i did orgo one last year last semester Perfect. um so i guess rec letters there whatever uh you know, been i've been assisting since uh january 2021 okay office um a lot of great experience honestly like one of the best choices i could have made uh early in my freshman year so second semester freshman year i started january yeah uh, that's perfect that honestly set me up for you know it's just been motivation every single time i go into work um uh, you know if i'm having a weird time like i've talked to some in past podcasts but like you know if it's if i'm stuck in the books for an exam or something and i go to work it reminds me like where i am you know yeah you know getting to do an xo or root canal all these different things crowns fillings uh all this stuff like it just kind of gets me back into it um you know working with your hands making temps doing night guard stuff like that so honestly it's a great experience and on the side i'm shadowing all these great people um you know shadowing what we don't have in the office, we don't have endo, ortho, oral surgery. So, and I'm just shadowing those specialties. Uh, just kind of get a little taste of everything. And um, great. Yeah, just, just uh, you know, chugging along, enjoying life. Just uh, you know, taking it day by day, I guess. And so, what's what's your next step? You think as far so you're you're in the third year. You're going to take the DAT later this year. You're going to start studying over the winter. That's good. Yep. That's that's really good. Um, what are you looking, I mean, you're, you're shadowing. That's excellent. You'll get your letters direct where you need in school as well as outside of school. You're getting connections, great connections that you're going to need when you apply to Stony Brook. So that's fantastic yeah. as well as other schools. Yeah. Um, what else, what else can I help, help you? What am I trying to think? How can I help you while I'm on this call? You know, applying to like choosing which schools, you know, to, to go for and I feel like all the Northeast schools are definitely like what people do. If they go to Stony Brook, they kind of choose to stay somewhat close. Yeah. Um, that's a whole conversation where I have to think about it and just kind of narrow down schools. And I feel like, I feel like that could come after the DAT is taken. Got it. Then you understand where you are and you know, you know where you can apply and stuff. So exactly. Got it. That, that, I think that's just the next step to be honest, getting out of the way. And then after that personal statement, uh, rec letters, stuff like that, you know, all the basics um, and then just go for it. And then, um, you know, really just trying to get this going, get this podcast thing out there and uh, more popular and just, you know, I don't even care if like two people listen to this, but those are two people. I've had two people that texted me and like, they, they listened to the whole thing and they, they've really been uh, getting a lot from it. We had Sade from Columbia come on. Yep. We talked about interviews at Brandon talked about interviews. Uh, one of my friends is going to Columbia and he just had an interview there. So he got some great tips from the interview process video, which we had. So, you know, that just kind of makes, that's motivation to keep doing this and just keep going. So 
yeah that's kind of where i'm at you know um you know trying to keep healthy just healthy and happy you know that's the vibes